There are 39 milahot which constitute forms of work forbidden on the Sabbath. It's the why behind the way we do the things we do. Join Rabbi Musha Schnurb now for Hilchos Shabbos, only on 101.9 High FM. This is Soul to Soul on your radio, Erev Shabbos Kodesh, Pashas Vayachit Tov Shin Pei Dalit. And a very, very warm welcome to our entire radio family. Thank you so much. Whether you might be in Joburg, whether you're down in the Cape, I don't know where you might be, but I'm incredibly grateful if you made the effort to join us and be part of our show. Today, Erev Shabbos, as you prepare for another amazing, amazing Shabbos. Yes, it's a holiday Shabbos. Many of our families, many of our listeners might be all over the world enjoying themselves. And we hope that it's been a beautiful, beautiful, restful, and wonderful holiday for all of you. We all need it so much. It's been such a busy, such a hard fall, such a stressful year. And we need to take our time, time off. Of course, today's show is intended as a as a refushlema for Ada Ella Bas Rochel and Saratihila Devoira Bas Nachama Shirachaya and Binyomina Bas Yenta Rezel Bas Chaya and Chayashena Bas Rezel Metaka all of these people and Chol Shachol Yisrael all the Yidden here and abroad and Achlechayolim and Eretz Yisrael may all them be Zeich as the Schus of our Torah and all the other Torah and Chesed that's been done in Kaisa amongst all the different everywhere in the world should they all be a Schus for these people to have a four Shlema and the Pasha we're going to read this Shabbos so Yaakov Inu gives brachas to all of his children. And the penultimate brachas, of course, to Yosef himself. And he says, Bechois ovicha, govru al bechois sarai. The blessings of your father surpassed the blessings of my parents. And therefore, tiyena l'reish Yosef. Let them be upon Yosef's head. Now, when Yaakov Avinu gave a bracha to his sons, he gave all extra blessings to, to Yosef. Rashi translates, Govru al-Berchasarai, is that the brachas of your father, Govru, surpassed the blessings of my father. This means that the brachas that Yaakov received from Hashem surpassed the brachas he received from his own father. These should rest upon Yosef. Targumunkos translates Gavru as in addition. This means that all the brachas, Yaakov's fathers and those of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, should all come to fruition in Yosef. This was Yaakov's way of saying that all the blessings will rest upon the heads of the one who lives an observant life, dedicated to Torah and mitzvahs. Such a person will not need to go anywhere else to find gratification. And sadly, many of us take the talk 
and agree with this. But when it comes to actually walking the walk, to living our lives, not by the validation of others, but rather by what they themselves think and know is right, unfortunately some of us fail dismally. Everyone wants to impress and be accepted. If the life of an observant Jew does not sort of pivot him to the operations of society, he feels he must innovate in order to get accepted. He needs and thrives on the accolades he receives from others. Their reviews of his lifestyle and work and endeavors, i.e. that which he does and how he lives, where he davens, right? The trips he takes and schools, camps that his children go to, from the, they, they sort of form the barometer of his personal success or, or failure. How very, very sad. Such a person will do almost anything to be accepted, to be sort of one of the Hebra. As a result, he does not focus on, on, on the responsibilities given to him by HaKadosh Baruch on, on his own qualities, which would build up his self-confidence and esteem. Without this, he will never achieve a true fulfillment. Our work should be defined independently. And, and the choices we make in life aligned with our values and our passions. Worrying about what Yenim is, is going to say so exchanges a lack of authenticity for a sort of public acclaim. We are then left with shallow kind of fulfillment because we are not pursuing what really matters to us. While public opinion is helpful and in some kind of instances necessary to truly succeed, one must strike a, a balance and not ignore personal values, goals, and our own aspirations. This is going to open The program is Soul to Soul. We'll be back in a moment. This is Hilchos Shabbos with Rabbi Moshe Schnurb, only on 101.9 High FM. 101.9 High FM, this is Soul to Soul, back on your radio. Erev Shabbos, Kodesh, Pashas, Vayachi, Tov, Shin, Pei, Dalil, as we prepare for another amazing Shabbos, wherever we might be in in the world. Listen to a medrash, a medrash from Kehelis Shabbos and Perek Zayin. He brings, look at the way, I'm Rabbi Yechiren says, look at the way HaKadosh Baruch Hu sorts out payment for things that we do. What happened? Yaakov Avinu died in Eretz Mitzrayim. Who really should have taken responsibility for looking after Yaakov? Surely HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Because Hashem said to him, I'm going to bring you down. I'm going to bring you up. Yet, what happened? Came Yosef, and he grabbed the mitzvah. As it says, Vayal Yosef, Lik Yosef went up 
to bury, bury his father. Yosef also died in Mitzrayim. Who do you think really should have taken care of him? Surely the Shvatim, who he made them swear that they would take him out. As it says, Vayash by Yosef, Yosef made his brother swear that when they left, they would take him out. Came Moshe, and he chapped the mitzvah. As it says, Vayikach Moshe, Atz Moshe, Yosef, Yimoy. Moshe took the bones of, of, uh, of Moshe. Moshe dies, and HaKadosh Baruch Hu takes care of him, Bechvoy Duvatsum by himself. Shinema, as it says, Vayikbar Oisoy by Gai. Moshe, HaKadosh Baruch Hu, Buries Moshe, Moshe Rabbeinu. Now, when the Medrash says that Moshe came and chapped the mitzvah, so this is uh, already, uh, we discussed this, it's actually well explained, because Yosef HaTzadik gave the right and gave the opportunity to anyone in Klai Yisrael to try to take care of bringing his holy body to, to Kvura and Eretz Yisrael. Right, it was it was an opportunity available to anyone. Moish Rabbeinu came and he grabbed. He ran ahead of everybody else. Everyone else was busy gathering uh, 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 silver and gold from the Egyptians. In fact, as the as the uh, as the Gemara says in Soite Daf Yigimel Ton Rabbanon, Rabbeinu. How precious mitzvahs were to Moish Rabbeinu. Shakol Yisrael, Kulan Nisasku Bebiza. All of them were busy running around to all the Egyptians' houses collecting all the stuff that they were told to borrow. And he was busy chopping mitzvahs. Shnamar says, The clever person, he chops me, grabs mitzvahs. And he was then took it, he had got the opportunity to take care of the Aaron of Yosef and, and get it out of the Nile River. So that doesn't make sense. But what does it mean to say that when HaKadosh Baruch Hu promised Yaakov Avinu in last week's Pasha, I'm going to go down with you and I'm going to bring you up. And Yosef came and he's the one that brought his father out. How does that fulfill that Yosef came and grabbed the mitzvah? How can you, how can you sort of grab a mitzvah from HaKadosh Baruch Hu? So Chaim Sanz, in, in his Sefer, Divrei Chaim, Pashkisov, brings down, says, it's well known that every mitzvah that a person does, so the very power, or the very fact, that a person has the ability, person has the wherewithal to fulfill a mitzvah, that already is a gift from HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And as in fact it says in the Medrash, in the Medrash Tanchuma on, on the Pasuk says, Mi hitimani vashalem, right? Who gave me something that I should pay, that I need to pay him back? And he says, and, and the Medrash says about this and explains the statement, says, has anyone ever, uh, put tzitzis on a garment if Akadosh Baruch Hu didn't first give him the garment? Right, he brings with all the with all the mitzvahs. There's no mitzvahs we can do without having received the means and the ability to do that mitzvah from Hakadosh Baruch Hu So if say if so, since everything is from Hakadosh Baruch Hu, 
So what then is our purpose? What's our avoida on this world? Uh, and what are we going to get reward for doing on this earth? The, 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 uh, the, the work, the, the purpose of our being in this world is to choose, to make cho- the right choices, right? That with things we choose with our good desire to fulfill the mitzvah. That's where, where we have the ability. We're given, we're given choices. You can do something good. Here, you have the ability to do that good. Are you going to do it or not? That's where our, our, our area of, of work is. To make the right choices and do, and do the right things. Right? He sort of adds on and says even more that even that which a person chooses with his own free, free will, let's say to fulfill a, a mitzvah, even that is not totally something made, a decision made by himself. It's only that the fact that HaKadosh Baruch Hu helps him. Because if it wasn't for HaKadosh Baruch Hu helping him all the time, he wouldn't be able to do the choice. He wouldn't be able to even make the, the, the decision. In fact, as the, as the major says, as Chaim Sander says, if so, no one can do anything, right? Even the little bit that he wants to do, well, without it being the Ratzon of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And then HaKadosh Baruch Hu wants him. And then HaKadosh Baruch Hu helps him. And that is the, the, uh, the, the, the Ratzon we have. The, 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 in fact, the bottom line is, the only thing we have is to our credit, is a desire. Once you want to do something, the ability to actually have the physical resources, the ability to have the energy, the ability to have the the ability to have the know-how, how to do it, all comes from HaKadosh Baruch Hu. So actually, the only thing that we can get credit for is the desire to do a mitzvah. That's, in fact, the, the Ratzon. So it comes out that every single mitzvah that a yid will fulfill, he actually is not even doing the mitzvah. Everything comes from HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And therefore, we don't deserve any rewards for the actual performance of the mitzvah. The only reason, the only basis that we can claim a reward for a mitzvah that we've done is because we had a desire, an inner want, an inner push to fulfill that that uh, that mitzvah, and by the mitzvah of the burial of, of Yaakov Avinu, so says all the shvatim wanted to fulfill this mitzvah. Who would not have wanted to fulfill the mitzvah of bearing their own father? But Hakadosh Baruch Hu, who has incredible insight into everything that's going on in our inner workings. He can check what's going on in our kidneys. He can check what's going on in, in our hearts. He knew how great the desire of Yosef was, Yosef at Tzaddik, to fulfill this mitzvah. And he knew that it was even greater than any of the other brothers' desire. And therefore, HaKadosh Baruch Hu sort of organized all the events that Yaakov made Yosef swear that he would bury him in, in Eretz Yisrael. And Yosef at Tzaddik, 
who would be the one that would organize and take care of the Kavura of Yaakov, his father. And by that, he's considered that he chapped the mitzvah. The very fact that he wanted it more than anybody else, that's what it means. He chapped, he chapped the mitzvah, right? In other words, the chatifa, the grabim, was only as regards uh, uh, relating to the actual rotson, the actual desire of, of the person. That it doesn't, it doesn't, uh, that's the only part of the mitzvah that cannot be laid squarely in the lap of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Right? As it was by, by Yosef HaTzadik. That chilek of, of, of the rots on the head, that's what gave him the impetus to be able to do it more than any of the other brothers. And, and therefore this mitzvah relates to him. And that's why it says that he's the one that actually grabbed, grabbed the, the, the mitzvahs. This is one one and the program is soul to soul. We're gonna come back in a moment with much, much more about this topic. This is Hilchos Shabbos with Rabbi Musha Schnurb, only on 101.9 High FM. This is 101.9 High FM, this is Soul to Soul, back on your radio, Erev Shabbos, Kurdish Pashas, Vayachira, Moshe Schnurb in the hot seat. We are talking about that the most essential part of mitzvah performance is wanting to do the mitzvah. If a person has a rotson to do a mitzvah, then that really is all that's in his control. And perhaps with this we're able to understand the conversation that Yaakov Avinu says to his son Yosef. He says to him, Son, I'm going to lie down, I'm going to die. And you'll lift me up, you'll carry me out of Mitzrayim, ukvartani sam, and you will bury me in their in their graves. It seems the pasuk is a little bit out of order, because really it should have said first, carry me from Mitzrayim, and only afterwards shachafti you'll you'll bury me. So we have a a concept. Gemara Kedushin on Daf Mem says that a machshava. And when a person has a positive thought and he wants to do a mitzvah, even if he doesn't get around to actually being able to fulfill the mitzvah, Hashem counts it as if he's done the mitzvah. Therefore, the moment there was a real desire for Yosef Tzadik to carry up the body of his father to Eretz Yisrael to the Maras for burial in Shomayim that's already considered as if he has already brought the body from from Mitzrayim to Eretz Yisrael and he's fulfilled the entire thing of of burying him with his father and then it, the Torah just relates how he actually then went in practical terms and fulfilled him and carried him out of out of Mitzrayim. <clears throat> but the Rotson, the desire to do it is really as if the act is already is already done. <clears throat> and this also may help us to understand a a well known Gemara in Megillah Daf Yudgimlamibes, where Avchia Ba'aba says. Quoting Rabbi Yochanan, says, 
הקציף הקדוש ברוך הוא עדיין על עבודיו, לעשות רצון צדיק. הקדוש ברוך הוא, that פרו אנגרי at his two servants, that we'll see at the Sar Bashkim and the Sar Ha'oifim, right? In order to do the will of the tzaddik. Who was that tzaddik? Yosef. As it says, V'sham itonu nar ivri ever. When the Sar Bashkim finally remembered Yosef after Paro had his own dreams, And he, and he makes him this totally dismissive way of nah, he was a lad, he's nothing, he's every, he's a Jew, and he's an Evet. Right? It was all so HaKadosh Baruch could fulfill the rotson of the tzaddik, the desire of that tzaddik. What does that mean? You have to understand what does it mean, the, the rotson of the tzaddik. But what certainly means is that when Yosef, all the time, that Yosef was in the jail. He lived with a strong, strong desire. I need to get out of here. I need to be free like every other person. What am I doing here? Why do I have to be here? Right? However, the Ratzan of the Tzaddik, the Ratzan of, of a great person, what is the, the real, what is the real internal desire of a tzaddik was not just to get out of there and, and be free, was to be able to go out of there in order to have the opportunity to fulfill the rotson of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, the will of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, with much, much, much greater opportunity. A jail in Mitzrayim is not a sort of a, a, a limitless place where you're going to find many, many opportunities to do mitzvahs, to learn Torah, to fulfill the will, the will of HaKadosh Baruch Right? It's a very, very limited opportunity that he has in, in, in the, in the jail to be able to do the will of Hashem. And therefore Chazal felt, Chazal stressed this. That Hashem turned over the world and made the, the Saramashkim and the Sarah, and Sarayfim commit these errors which angered their master power when he threw them in jail. All of it was, to do the will of the Tzaddik. That Yosef HaTzaddik is not like any other of the prisoners who just want to get out of there just so they can be free and just so they can do what they want, right? To, 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 go, to go free for freedom's sake alone. But by Yosef, this was an internal desire in order to be able to fulfill the Torah and the mitzvahs, something which was so impossible for him to be doing when he was in, in, incarcerated. And because of the great desire, because of this great rotson of Yosef HaTzadik to do the will of, of, of Hashem, of his Creator, he was Zayche inherited that his, his whole life, his whole essence became one big shtick of rotson, of, of desire. And he was Zayche to be able to complete in his life this, the, 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 the development of this Mida of, of Rotson.
And, and that helps us perhaps to understand <coughs> an insight of the Svasemes of Chusi Yogan in last week's Pasha, where he says that on every single Shabbos Kodesh, on every Shabbos of every single year, every Yiddish Neshama, every Neshama of every single Jew gets an arousal of a rotson, a desire to approach, a desire to come closer to Aviv Shabbat Shemaim. And this he gets from Yosef HaTzadik. Because Yosef was the ultimate chuka, the ultimate desire, the ultimate uh, uh, a force, force pulling with, with fire. To, to, with, a, with, a, with a burning fire to come close to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And therefore, says the Shekhinah helps us even when we're in Golas, which seems so far away from anything Ruchnius. In the Schus of the Shabbos, it doesn't matter where you are. It doesn't matter what, what, what's happening to you. There's stories of people who survived the most terrible, terrible situations. How did you survive? I don't know. But I sang Zemiris every Shabbos. I was sitting in a jail. I was sitting in a hospital. I was sitting, who knows where I was. And it was still Shabbos. I still felt the tremendous desire to celebrate Shabbos as, as, in whatever way, whatever way I could. And that's why, particularly on Moitzah Shabbos, we ask Hashem for the good or we ask Hashem for the redemption. As it says, if Kaiso would only keep two Shabbos, Mashiach would come because Mashiach, because Shabbos brings, brings into fruition this rotson of Yosef, the desire of Yosef to really just come close as possible to, to Akadish Baruch. And therefore, Yosef was one of the three tzaddikim who passed away at the time of Shalashudish, says the Zaya. Because we know the time of Shalashudish, those last few moments of Shabbos, is the time of, of, of an absolute revelation of, of the Ace Rotson, of the Hashem's highest, highest desire. And, and, and that was the moment where you reached the deepest, deepest level of the fulfillment and, and, and the realization of, of his, of his Ratzon, to do the will of Hashem. And, and that's how he completed his life work by developing, by harnessing, by somehow making, fine tuning this Midasa Ratzon. And that's why he, Dafka, passed away at that, at that moment. Perhaps also is relevant to, to Hashem Shmuel. Hashem Shmuel says, but later in the Torah, he bring, quotes his, his father, the, the Amne Nezer, to explain the concept of Kairach. The Kairach, we know, Kairach wanted the Kuhuna, Kairach wanted to be a Kayin and a Levi together. He wanted both, he wanted to have both honors for himself. And it's based on what, in fact, Yaakov Avinu says, to Shimon and Levi, says, Bikalam, 
in their assembly, Al please don't mention my honor. because with their desire, Ikrushar, they uprooted Yosef, who's called an ox. And what's the connection? Why does Yaakov even put them both in the same, in the same pasuk? Says the Shemeshmoah. Because it's well known that Kayanim have a special, special attribute, and it's different from the attribute of Levium. But the the Ratzon, the desire to do something for Hakadosh Baruch Hu, that is something that includes and is overarching over all the other midas. And Kairach thought that he had arrived at the same high level of Yosef at Tzadik, and that he had desire, such desire to be close to Hashem, that he, so to speak, deserved to be both a Kayan and a Levi, to encompass both those areas of Ratzon in his life. Just like Moshe Rabbeinu, who was the Levi, Moshe Rabbeinu was a Levi, but he also was the Kayan Godot. Right? And, uh, in fact, during the service name Malum, he served as, uh, as, as the Kayin. And, and Kayach was desirous of that. He wanted to have that same level of Ratza. But unfortunately, he wasn't perfect. There was some self-serving interest in, in what he wanted. It wasn't completely for the desire of Akadish Baruch. Right? And the, the, uh, the, uh, and so, so too in the, in the, in the, when, when the, when the brothers were selling Yosef, was surely, there wasn't any chasasham, any, any kind of, uh, 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 anger. There was no revenge. It was a absolute desire to do something important. But, because they, 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 they uh, they judged. Yosef Salik to be to be a Raidaf, as the Swarm say. He was usurping the kingdom from Yehuda, which he had no right to do as far as they thought. And therefore it says, Uvirtsoinam. Right? It says with their desire, Ikrushar. It wasn't the Apam. It wasn't that it wasn't that their anger caused them to sell Yosef. It was Bitsun was a real desire to do the right thing. And and that's and and that was what uh, what sort of was the under undermining of 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 Kairach. <coughs> Kairach could never reach that level because there were some personal feelings and desires within his Ratzon, and that impugned it, and that and that caused it to be to be uh, incap make, make him incapable of achieving what it is that he wanted to to uh, to to achieve. Based on what we've been saying until now, we can now perhaps understand what he's saying. He says, Kairach wanted Kuhuna and Levia together. Why? Because he thought that he had successfully navigated the, the, the work he had to do to harness completely this Mirasaratsan. In other words, in his very, very inner core and deep, deep, his desire was really to do the Ratzon of, of, of Akadosh Baruch Hu. And, and, uh, he had no 
external uh, desire. So he thought, but Akarish Bokhu, who goes deep, deep into a person, understood that it wasn't the kind of perfection of, of Yosef HaTzadik, and therefore he could not get that which he really, really wanted. Right? Why? Because since the antecedent, since the Zayda of Karach, Levi, sold Yosef HaTzadik, right? And Yosef HaTzadik, we know, was Zayche, to attain and, and to complete the Midas HaRatzon and, and turn it completely into a tool for doing Avodah Hashem. Therefore, it became a shortcoming in his descent, in his descendants that whatever, whatever they were not able then to reach the completion of that, of that Mida. It's interesting, the Yalkut Ruveni brings down, quoting the, the Megala Amukas, he says, the whole concept of the sale of Yosef, right, is where, where they saw that a descendant of Yosef was going to be Yeravam ben Nevat, Yeravam who would be the king that would divide Klai Yisrael, who would introduce idol worship into Klai Yisrael. And he says, in fact, if you fact, if you take the word Yeravam, Yeravam has the same numerical value as Merkava Tuma, the chariot of all that is impure. Or, <clears throat> if you like, it has the same numerical value as the word Kelevra, a bad dog. And this is the, uh, 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 what it says that at the end of the day, uh, the way he met his end was that he was, he was attacked by the dogs. Mida Kneged Mida, says the Yaakov Ruveni. In other words, Yeravam, we know, came from, from Shevi Yosef, actually from the descendants of, of Ephraim. And he also, had a burning, burning desire to fulfill the Ratzon of HaKadosh Baruch We're told that Yeravam was a giant in, in Torah, as the Gemara says in Sanhedrin uh, Kufbez, that the Torah of Yeravam uh, had no uh, of no imperfections at all. His knowledge of Torah was absolutely perfect. That right? says uh, it says, the two of them were alone in the field. It says, it teaches us, that if we compare all the other and we compare them to Shiloini and Yeravam, they'd all be comparable to just grass on the field in comparison to these two Torah, Torah giants. And all the deepest reasons of Torah were revealed to them like, like an open field. And there were machadish things in Torah that no one had ever heard before, the kind of things that they were, that they were saying. But even though Yoravim had these really, really pure desires, as the Gemara says, that everything Every, that they, they, they went, the reason they wanted to bring these, uh, 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 calf-like idols 
in 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 different places in in Don and and in Beersheba was only because of his he was jealous of the kings of Beidavid, right? Which is David Melech and and his family, because and and Rehoboam was now the king over the tribes of Yehuda. And, and Binyamin was the son of Shlema, the son of David, the son of Yishai. As Chazal say, that he was, the one thing that concerned Yeruvim the most was, that maybe the kingdom will be taken away from him. Because when all of Kaisal would go up to Yushalayim for the regal, which was an obligation, if all three were gone, they had to go to Yushalayim, and they would see the kings of Beistavid sitting, because uh, 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 so, uh, uh, and he would have to stand because only kings from the family of David are allowed to sit in the courtyard of the, of the Beis HaMikdash. Right? Because, as one says, Ein yeshiva David. No one can sit in the courtyard of the Beis HaMikdash except kings from the family of David. So the, 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 the jealousy began to sort of sow in his, in, 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 in his bosom. And as much as he desired, and as much as he wanted to be like David Melech, he would to be cut from the same cloth as David Melech, to be able to have the same relationship with Akadosh Baruch Hu as 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 David Melech, to be enshrined as Malchi Solidiridiris, and he could have had it, but unfortunately, the jealousy of them is again what what ruined his opportunity to be able to fully realize and actualize his desire. And that's the lesson for us here. When a person really, really wants something, that's all our Kaddish Baruch wants. Whether you're actually going to be able to do it or not is completely dependent on Hashem. Hashem gives you the kayak, Hashem gives you the ability, Hashem gives you the wherewithal, Hashem gives you everything. But if, you're, if your desire is strong and it's really, really genuine and it's not sort of colored by ulterior motives, then we get the full, full credit for wanting to do it. And Akash Baruch certainly considers it as if we've done it and, and will, if he desires so, will give us the Siat Shmaya to be able to carry out whatever it is that we want and need to accomplish. This is 101.9 FM. The program is Salt to Salt. We'll be back in a moment with our Hilchus Shabbos slot. This is Hilchos Shabbos with Rabbi Moshe Schnurb, only on 101.9 High FM. 101.9 High FM, back on your radio, Erev, Shabbos Kodesh, Parshas Vayechi, Tav Shin Pei Dalet, middle of a beautiful, beautiful holiday uh, a time of the year. Many people are away, but many are home. And therefore, this next section, of course, where we give the times for Shabbos, will only be relevant for those who are in Johannesburg, those who are in other centers, in Durban area, in, in Cape Town, in Plett. Please consult your local luach. It's on the general luach all the time. So all the main centers, obviously, they will differ from from uh, from Johannesburg. So as you always do at this time of the show, to give the important details that we need to know for this coming Shabbos. So this afternoon, the earliest time for benching licht in Johannesburg is at 5.36. 24 minutes before 6 o'clock is the earliest time you can light your candles. And it's a great opportunity for home. If we're not working, let's expedite. Everything that needs to be done 
uh, uh, this afternoon, even though, of course, generally the rule is the more time you have, the longer things take. But let's see if we can't sort of really get all together and start Shabbos early. Why not, right? Let that ambiance, let that beauty, let the Kedusha, let the quiet tranquility of Shabbos permeate our homes before the last minute. Let's avoid that crazy last minute rush on Friday afternoon. We don't need it, right? That we have enough time to plan and get organized, everything can get done. Maybe we are entertaining, maybe we're not. It's, uh, you know, it's quite easy to get there, and thank God. For a moment here in Joburg, we're blessed with our load shedding, so we don't have to sort of finagle around and figure out when we're going to do our cooking, when we're going to do our baking, when we're going to do our heating, etc., etc. So it's, it's a beautiful, beautiful opportunity to get Shabbos started as early as, as possible, if, in fact, we cannot do that. So we have quite a spate of time. The latest time for benching Lich this afternoon is at 6.44, 16 minutes to to 7. Uh, obviously, many shuls take on Shabbos earlier at the sort of the standard summertime of 6, 6.15. And then you have to find out when it is that your particular shul would get to Mizmashiri on Shabbos. If it would be before 6.44, then you would need to make sure that your candles are lit and your Shabbos is absolutely Ready before before that that time. Six forty four is the absolute latest for being Makabo Shabbos. Please, please do not rely on the time after sun uh, sun uh, after after candle lighting before sunset. Because as I always say, that is just for real dire emergencies where a person cannot get home or whatever it needs those extra minutes. Otherwise, we regard 6.44 as the absolute latest time for doing Mulach on Shabbos. By that time, the keys should be away, the car is, is parked or in, or in shul. Everything is, is in its place that needs to be. All the food is, is humming along and, and we are, we are into the Shabbos, into the Shabbos spirit. Shkia is at 7.02, two, two minutes past seven. And therefore, if you want to uh, say Meyer, if you want to daven Meyer, or at least say Shema before you begin the the Shabbos meal, you can say Shema over again at twenty past seven. Twenty past seven is ready at night, and uh, say Shema, and then you've done that obligation of saying the full Shema in its correct time. You don't have to worry and be concerned about it. And then, of course, we can sit down to a beautiful, beautiful Shabbos. Shabbos Pashas Vayechi, so much to talk about, the ultimate Pasha of, of Sefer Bereshis, Yaakov Inu giving out his brachas to his sons, his last sort of will and, and testament to, to them. Lots to talk about, holiday subjects, fun things you've been doing, but it's still plenty of, plenty of ruchingness to be able to stick into, to a beautiful, beautiful meal. Tomorrow, of course, is Shabbos Kodesh Pashas Vayechi, we lane Pashas Vayechi, which is a short Pasha, but still quite, quite a lot there, so quite a lot of Rashi, and of course, it is the last Pasha, so uh, we say Chazak, Chazak, Venis Chazek, at the end of it, completing Sefer, Sefer Bracious, and the Haftera for Pasha is the second chapter of the book of Malachim, which is sort of a, a, a concurrently the, the, the last will and testament of David. Amalek, before he dies, he gives his son Shlomo some wise instruction on what he needs to do to keep the stability 
of the of, of the kingdom. And uh, then Shabbos uh, carries on. It's, it's, it's beautiful. It's a long, long Shabbos. Shabbos Kodesh ends tomorrow night at 7.38. Right? 7.38 is a long, long Shabbos. It's gonna, only going to get one minute longer uh, next next week. So we're at the, at the sort of at the uh, apex of or of our, of our, of our Shabbos, but enjoy it. It's, it's beautiful to have time to do everything you want to do, to have a shlof and go for a walk and socialize and have plenty of time to sit and learn Torah. Because as we always say, that really is what Shabbos is, is all, is all about. And then of course we go into a, another week, certainly the beginning of which is still holiday. Some people will go back to work after, after the first. Others may have the rest of the week off, but it should be a beautiful, beautiful week for all of us. We are learning the malacha at the moment of teichin, of, of grinding, which we spoke about uh, last week also, the grinding of, of flour and, and the preparation of things. And we mentioned last week that... Uh, uh, grinding can also be not necessarily actually grinding into powder or, or dust, but it can be sort of mashing or cutting things into, into small, small pieces. In fact, the, the Rishonim have a, have a dispute. Is there, in fact, a prohibition of grinding of, of teicheng by, let's say, cutting vegetables? into very, very small pieces, let's say, for a salad, what they so-called Israeli salad, where they dice the vegetables, very, very small pieces. Would that be problematic on, on Shabbos as part of the malacha of, of teichen? It's, it's not quite uh, into dust or very or teeny pieces, but it's certainly uh, a small, small enough. So there are some <coughs> who say that since that the, there is a, a definitely a, a a positive purpose in in cutting these vegetables into quite small pieces. So then, yes, then that is a definitely thing that's being done quite intentionally, and the prohibition of grinding would apply. But most of of the rishonim, so the prohibition to to cut vegetables is only when you are unable to eat them without without cutting them. For instance, if you cut them uh, in order to to cook them, then that might be uh, an act of of tachim, because it needs to be done in order to then be able to to prepare them. But if let's say the all the vegetables are kind of edible as they are now, sort of raw in their present state. Uh, so then in that situation, they, this, these opinions hold that in cutting them, there's no prohibition at all. So these are the two opinions. Practically speaking, what do we do? Uh, so therefore, since the, the, the argument, again, applies to one of the malachas, one of the malachas means that it is a potential a prohibition of a Torah, of a Torah law. So therefore, one needs to take into account the opinion of of the of the more strict Rishonim, and therefore uh, we take on that it's forbidden 
to cut vegetables into very small pieces for, for a salad. And that's how the Shokhanaru Paskins in, in Simon Shin, Shin Chafalef. But, if again, however, if we're preparing the, the salad just before a meal, which you already defined as sort of in the last half hour before the meal, so then even those who are strict will allow it. Why? Because when I'm doing it in that way, so then it's not, the, the cutting of the vegetables is not done in the normal way that the malacha is done, which is sort of, for, again, for long term. It's done here as being part of eating. You're doing it right before the, the meal. And we said you're allowed, a person is allowed to take his food on, on Shabbos, you know, and eat it when it's cut into very, very small uh, pieces. And that's brought by the Ramah, quoting others, the, the Rashba and the Beis Yosef, uh, again, in, in Shin, in Shin, in Shin Chafalif. Al-Khatkhila, it would be, it would be best that, uh, even someone who's preparing a, a salad for a, a meal that's about to, to happen. So again, don't cut it into especially small species, says the Mishnah Bura, but sort of uh, uh, in normal pieces, you know, it can be small, but doesn't, doesn't have to be, uh, uh, on children, you maybe use minute pieces on, on shops. Okay, we're gonna come back with some closing notes in a moment. This is going on point nine. Chai FM. The program is soul to soul, and this is the greatest Jewish radio station in all of Africa. This is Hilchos Shabbos with Rabbi Musha Schnurb, only on 101.9 Chai FM. 101.9 Chai FM, soul to soul, back on your radio, Erev Shabbos Kedesh, Parshas Vayachit Dalin. We are finishing up this week's show. We are talking about the laws of Teichen, of grinding food and preparing it for, for Shabbos. And we spoke about cutting a, a salad. So let's go a little bit further. There are some, again, who are strict and uh, disallow mashing a banana, or let's say an avo, with a fork, right? Even if you're going to be eating it right away. Basically on the same as as we said before. But that's because a fork is a normal thing. But let's say to do it with a spoon, there you would be allowed to mash it, because that's not the usual way it's being done with a shinya, with a, with a, uh, an unusual, unusual way. Again, lemaisa, the halacha is like those who are strict, and uh, we don't allow uh, mashing a banana with a fork or, or, an, or an avo, even if we're going to use it for immediate consumption. Because we already learnt that the the iser of grinding is 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 uh is not when you're preparing it for food for immediate use, but on the condition that it sh- you should not be using a a a kind of vessel that is normally used for mashing. Forks are generally used for mashing, so therefore even if it's just prior to a meal, to use something that's normally used for mashing would not be appropriate, but a, a spoon is uh, will be fine to, to, to use. 
One would be allowed to use a knife to cut sort of a very, very hard piece of, of roasted meat into small, into smaller pieces. And, uh, right, even if that's not for immediate consumption. And the same thing would be, let's say you have hard cheese, you can cut that into small pieces. Uh, similarly, you are allowed to, uh, 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 to kind of, uh, uh, take a, a, uh, a hard egg and, and, and mush it as you want, even, even with a, a, a fork, right? But the truth is, even when we do allow one to cut or to, or to, or to crumb something, one shouldn't do it again with a type of utensil that is normally used for grinding. Right, to use a, a, a greater one, one certainly shouldn't use, says the Shulchanarch in Shinchavav. But, you'd be allowed to use something that is normally used for cutting large pieces. Therefore, I can take a knife, which let's say I usually use to cut large slices, let's say of, 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 of hard, of hard cheese. Right? Uh, that, that I could use. Or, I'd be allowed to, uh, to, uh, to use with a, a, a egg slicer. Right? Because, uh, uh, those, those pieces come out quite, quite large. And, and you can, you know, uh, you can cut into slices. That's not, definitely not called dock dock. That's not called very, very small. And that shouldn't be a, a problem, a problem, uh, uh, at, at all. Also, you'd be allowed in, in such a mean to take a, a, a knife and obviously cut bread into slices. That certainly is, is, is more. So that gives a little bit of, of an insight into that mlacha. So all that's left for me at the moment is to thank you all for taking time on a beautiful holiday Friday to listen to the show. Hopefully we learned something. Hopefully we were inspired. And just to wish you all a beautiful rest of your holiday and to each and every one of our radio family, a good gesund and Geschmack des Schabes Kultur.